I don't think I've ever been so busy, but at least there's an end in sight. Got some significant news from the doctor this week, coming to a realisation about my hopes and aspirations as far as dating and parenting goes. On this week's podcast, another girl in the used to like me camp, Caitlin Carlton, offering some great insights into what goes wrong when someone likes me. Ha! It's my unconventional life. On the couch. I went to the woods because I wanted to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. My name is Nigel McGuinness, and this is my unconventional life. It's a podcast, it's a journal, and in a way, it's kind of a personal ad. But most of all, it's about navigating the treacherous waters of love, sex and relationships in 2016. Sponsored by, you guessed it, no one right now. Every week I detail my own journey and discuss my own untraditional views and aspirations in that world. Whatever the topic, whoever the guest, it all comes back to one question. How do we best find and express love in 2016? So I saw the doc this week for my low testosterone and low white blood cell count. As I said last week, I've had both in the past, the white blood cell issue, only more recently though. In that regard, the doc said it wasn't so low to be concerned, and another doc had said the same thing before. As far as the low testosterone goes, he said sometimes it's okay to have low test, that the absolute numbers are sometimes misleading, and what really matters is how you feel. I don't feel a lot of the low energy, fat retention effects that other people talk about, but I certainly have almost no libido. Either way, he said I would certainly benefit from having higher levels. With my goal to be a parent soon, ha, <laughs> soon, I asked him about fertility because exogenous testosterone has a nasty habit of shutting down your own natural production and with it, your sperm production. I mean, that's why I'd taken an alternative medication regimen before that actually increased your natural production. But it hadn't made any difference in my libido, and after a year on it, I decided to take a break and see where I was at. And this is it. The doc told me that I could take testosterone cream with an adjunct med that would affect my natural production and fertility less than injections. And then I could do another sperm test in a few months. And if it's affected things negatively in that direction, there is something I can take to kickstart me again without much effort. He also said that I should think about banking some sperm now too. I mean, what am I really waiting for anyway? I mean, it may never happen that I find someone in the right situation to have a kid. I should at least, ugh, I don't know. Supermom and I finally talked. It had been a while and to be honest I'd felt the growing distance, uh, figuratively as much as literally. I mean I just really like her. Anyway, we caught up. She'd been down in Mexico last weekend with friends. I told her about the low testosterone and then the call dropped and I called her back, left a message, texted her and when she didn't call me back or reply I started catastrophizing all day, freaking out that maybe she'd had enough and that I'd said the wrong thing. 
and I was already a little anxious about mentioning it to her, but in the end I said, hey, what will be will be, and what won't, well, it won't. She did call me back that night, and we chatted for a while, and she's coming up to LA next week, and we're going to meet up again, but she certainly sounds less interested than before. She's looking at dating to find a traditional partner now again too, I think after the influence of friends and family. And there's another guy she knows who's at least speculatively in the picture now as a potential parenting partner. I don't know. Am I really expecting too much to be able to find one nice, stable, healthy person to parent with? Maybe I am. I really need your help though, please. If you can share, subscribe, rate, review, more importantly, tell people about this, hopefully it'll get to someone who's a good fit for me. I mean, I have to believe there's someone out there who is right. How ironic. I sound like every idealistic, monogamous young girl waiting for Mr. Right. Recorded a really interesting interview this week with a girl who had an open marriage for a number of years and actually still co-parents with the guy. She's written about her experiences in a memoir and I got to read the first chapter of a rough draft. Gotta be honest, the open sexual and erotic nature of what she'd written really inspired something sexual in me for the first time in a long time, even if ultimately she isn't interested in me like that. I think there has to be something about the complete dearth of sexual interaction in my life that is probably as much to blame for the death of my libido as anything else. In her story, however, she wanted to have sex with other people besides her husband and it was her commitment to a lifelong monogamy that stopped it. The irony, of course, of me not wanting a monogamous relationship is that I wouldn't be giving anything up by getting into one. Still, no fucking luck dating. Quite literally. There is another potential of okay, Cupid, I think, that I'm trying to coordinate meeting up with for a coffee, but we'll see. It's been about... <laughs> two months already. It's just so frustrating after a seemingly endless list of dates without any spark that go nowhere. Maybe that's low testosterone too though. Whatever it is, I need to get beyond it. I've literally only had sex three times in the last year. Fucking ridiculous. It's a vicious cycle that I need to break or this will never change. It seems like a big fucking portion of my life has always been like this. I had coffee with Mama Sita this week. I interviewed her on here a month or two ago. You can go back and listen to that if you didn't before. And we're great friends, very affectionate and open completely. But sexually, again, it's just not there. We talked about what changed from when we first met. And she really liked me and then just completely lost any sexual interest in me whatsoever. And she said that I was always funny and self-deprecating. She didn't use that word, of course. But that the way I am now is (laughs) pathetic and repellent. (laughs) She did use those words specifically. But I wasn't upset. I mean, first of all, I encouraged that reaction anyway, I know. But second of all, I understood what she meant. She meant that the negative self-image that I have repels people and is pathetic. And she's right. I get it. But it's just the lack of sexual interaction has totally propagated this. I'm on it. 
I'm going to fix it. Stay tuned. This week's interview is with another girl that used to like me. Uh, We met through a mutual friend who thought we'd be a good match after I'd gone to a play that they were both in. And she was super into me at first, but very soon that changed. It's okay though, we developed a great friendship because of it. And maybe I should just accept. I'm a better friend anyway, and be celibate. Ugh, something is definitely missing. Anyway, here's part one of the interview. Caitlin Carlton, as I live and what, breathe. How did you say my last name? Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I always get it wrong. How, how long have we known each other? 17 years. <laughs> say it one more time. Caitlin Carlton. <laughs> what is it? Carlton. Carlton. That's what I said. That's what I said the first time. <laughs> I think you just can't pronounce the hard L because you're British. Yeah, I know. I'm terrible. But anyway, Caitlin, my dear, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, how long has it been that we've known each other? Uh, we have known each other. Let's see. I met you when I was living at Brad's house. That was in 2014. I yeah. think it's been... Either three years or two years. Right. And I first met you, well, I first saw you when you were dressed as a witch in Macbeth. Right. But I didn't know you yet. No, which was probably a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Because the reason we were introduced originally, at least according to Kat, was because you took a particular fondness to me, right? Yes. Well, no, she texted me, I have this friend named Nigel. I think you guys would be really great together. I would love to set you up. Would you be interested? And I was like, yes. So this was before you'd seen me or not? Right. Ah. I met you for the first time at that burger place. No. Yeah. But you'd seen me at the play. Had I? Yeah, of course. I don't remember that. Oh, crikey. I black out though, so. Yes, indeed. So, like I said, it's been a few years and uh, I wanted to get you on as well because it's interesting. I always talk about my worldviews in terms of how I'm kind of, I'm not Mm anti-monogamy, but what was it? Within like the first two hours of meeting you, I kind of told you how I felt about it, right? I don't think you actually told me that you were polyamorous until, I mean, I think it was several days later. I think it was in person. Yeah. Maybe in my bed. <laughs> really? I think actually we had our first kiss before you told me. Yeah. Was that our first and only kiss? <laughs> I think it might be. And this is kind of what I want to get back to. Because <laughs> how did we go from a position where you like me to you not liking me? Because it happens time and time again. <laughs> to where I managed to, it's not even friend zoning myself. I just, I just. Sort well, of... we've talked about several things. <laughs> there was a few things that just were weird about you that were red flags to me. Go on. There was the kiss. <laughs> right. Go on, because I, I've. Only... It was too much lip. My lips were too big. Or you had just... too big of lips. She's inside. I've never heard that. People have said I'm like the best kisser they've ever. I think all men tell women they give great blowjobs. Right. You know, it's just because th- you you want to get more of them, even if they suck. So, do you think then <laughs> that I am just a bad kisser? I I don't know. Maybe I'm the bad kisser. I don't know either. It wasn't that it was bad. 
I mean, good and bad kissing. That's so. How it's do you rate that? It's subjective, right. right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just. I just remember there being a lot of lip. Like I remember thinking, he has got the biggest lips. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even think we kissed because I think you were giving me a massage or something. Right. Or maybe that was the second time. For my recollection, we started dry humping. Maybe my recollection was. That you texted me, hey, do you want to come over and cuddle? Uh-huh. And even as as naive as I am, I can read between the lines, right? So uh-huh. I'm like, all right, cool, fantastic. Time to get back on the horse again. Because I'd been, I don't know how long I'd been single for at that point, but I don't do well when I'm single. So any kind of interest from a, you know, an attracted girl, I'm like, right, fantastic. Thank you. So I'd come over and you were learning your lines and you were a bit stressed and I gave you a bit of a back massage or something like that. This is at Brad's? This is at Brad's, okay. Yeah. And you, I remember you telling me that I pounced. (laughs) I didn't feel like it was a pounce. So my lips were too big, too much lip. I pounced and then there was the arms. Yes, the arms. Because you shaved your arms so they were prickly. (laughs) And even like your back and your chest, it was all prickly. Right, yeah. And I remember thinking, I can't date someone with prickly arms. I I don't have room for that in my life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just no time for shaving. But I thought, you know what? Put the prickly arms aside. Like, let's go to the beach with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then what happened? Well, you know, we planned to go to the beach for an hour. I was like, we have an hour to kill. Let's go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> we get there and you're like putting all this stuff onto your back. You've got bags and bags. And then we get to the beach and you set up a tent. <laughs> a beach tent. It was a full, full-fledged tent at the beach. It wasn't a camping tent. It was specifically a beach tent. I don't want to get cancer. So I want to keep out of the sun even for an hour. And I want a full tan. I don't want to have white thighs and like tan calves. I mean, that's going to look like I've been dipped in spray tan. Over the Speedo, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. The tent isn't now when I look back. The tent's not as weird. Yeah, exactly. Now when we go to the beach, you're like, hey, can you bring your beach tent? Now you actually want it. It's great. Right. So uh, what I'm trying to get at here is I need to know what not to do. So Mm. if I'm ever in that situation again... I don't completely cut my own lines. Give me some words of wisdom from your experience. Well, I feel like all the stories I've heard you say about your dating Mm. stories, all these women that you get coffee with, (laughs) I think you tell them too quickly that you're polyamorous because it freaks women out. The problem is, is that polyamory, I don't think a lot of people see it for the light that it really is. Right. I think people associate it with having sex. Swinging, yes. Yeah, having meaningless sex. Right. But in reality, I mean, the guys on Tinder, the women still fuck them on their first dates. It's yeah. not, you know. Right. And then there's not some huge shock when they never call them again. Right. So it's like you're being a good guy and you're not using polyamory to just sleep with lots of women. No. I mean, I know that by saying I'm polyamorous that that's actually going to turn most women off. I really haven't ever used that term. You haven't. Because I find it divisive. And everybody that I talk to in the poly world, they say you should do. They say you want to rule out anybody that is going to be freaked out you know mm-hmm. and that may be a good portion of society but better to rule them out at the beginning than have to endure it later on in, in this relationship wherever it gets to you know 
But I feel like, Christ, I'm struggling as it is without saying that, you know what I mean? So I don't want to limit my pool even more. I feel like just saying, I believe relationships should be allowed to progress organically. So that doesn't mean that I would never be in a monogamous relationship if I felt like it was the right situation for me. Can I envision that? Not really, to be perfectly honest with you, because I like having a lot of friends in my life. If one of my friends said, you can only be friends with me if you're not friends with anybody else, I'd go, I like you, but I don't want to give up the rest of my friends. Mm -hmm. Now, am I having sex with lots of other girls? No, not at all. No, you're not. There's a couple of girls that live in various other parts of the country or world. Mm -hmm. And will I ever see them again? I hope so. What I don't want to do is say, if I do see them again and I feel that connection, I have to say, oh, no, I can't act authentically. I can't show my love to you in a way which is natural and healthy because I've made this promise to somebody else. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. I mean, I get it. Right. And that's the irony thing of it now is that when I first sort of mentioned the old concept, you thought it was weird and out there, right? Right. Yeah. But now, why, why do you feel differently now? I think... Just hearing about it, I mean, I think I was one of those women who thought it was just men wanting an excuse to sleep with as many women as possible. Right. But now I've, you know, heard more about it the past two years that I've known you. I really relate to it because in between relationships that I've had, you find these men, like I met this one guy on Tinder who ended up being like a really great guy, you know, and we still keep in touch. And it would be weird if he came to visit and I'd have to be like, oh no, like I'm seeing Ross now, I can't. You know, and I still think about that. It's weird. Mm. It's not like the feelings went away for him. Like I still care about him. Sure. You know, but just because I'm having sex with Ross, does that mean I can't have sex with him? Well, it depends on the agreement that you have with your current boyfriend, you know? I mean, and that's, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I've got friends who used to be poly who are now, well, they still consider themselves poly. I mean, that's to me the biggest misconception about polyamory or non-monogamy or relationship anarchy, whatever label you want to place on it, is the idea that you have to have more than one sexual partner to feel satisfied. And that's not the case at all. Mm -hmm. I think you just have to be open to it. You know, you have to be able to have a, a conversation with who you're with honestly and authentically. And if that means, hey, I don't want you to see anybody else, I feel uncomfortable when you see anybody else, then that's perfectly valid, but it's equally valid for the other person to say, well, I'm sorry, but that's just not right. the, the relationship I that, that I want. And, and no hard feelings. There shouldn't be any hard feelings, you know? Right. But th- that's why my poly friends say you should have this discussion from day one. From but don't the- you do that? Well, I sort of, I, I'm an R, and the truth of the matter is, you know, it's been a while now since I've really felt that connection with somebody uh, to get to that stage. Oh, yeah, and a lot of times I just, I just haven't felt that spark on the first date, and mm-hmm. and and I see girls all the time that I'm very attracted to, but I get they're all height weird. weight proportionate. <laughs> yeah, they're height weight proportionate, <laughs> but I get weird around them. You know, I get all, I get like a 14 year old boy again. I revert to my prepubescent sort of <laughs> self. And I try and be funny and cool and goofy and it just comes off as weird and, and awkward. And I don't know, I just, I've got to get back on the horse. That's the key. You know what I mean? Because I have so much invested in any girl that I like now 
because I know this the is... The pressure's on. Yeah, the pressure's on because I know it's not like there's a, a line of women outside my room every morning, you know, like frantically masturbating, like, <laughs> hoping for the opportunity for me to like fill them with my seed. <laughs> what a disgusting thought. Um, so when that being the case, when I meet a girl that I really do like, and it's not just physical either. This is the strange thing. There's been girls that I met that on first look... I wasn't bowled over with. Mm. I didn't think they were unattractive, but I was just like, yeah, nice looking girl. But when I got to know them, man, then I was like, oh my God, I really feel like something for this person. But almost every time, they don't feel the same thing for me. And I don't know why. I, I, I must project the wrong thing or something, much like happened with you, you know? It's like there must be something intrinsically going on and perhaps, and maybe this is getting too deep, Perhaps it's because past relationships have been very emotionally traumatic for me. Therefore, when I meet someone that could possibly become one of these relationships, I get weird and awkward because I know subconsciously that's going to stop this progressing. What do you think? I think, I mean, yeah, I can see how that might make sense. But I think also just like maybe you haven't found someone that like you mesh well with I think you're really picky and you play it off that you're not but I think you're pretty picky I mean I see I would say I see between five and ten girls new girls a day that I think wow she's hot you mean from tinder or something or just oh, walking in everyday down the street? life oh, okay yeah I mean I see tons of guys that are hot but once they open their mouths you're like oh that one's not out you know? right but so what you're saying then is that I should what like try and be with people I'm not emotionally connecting with. I don't feel that spark for, but they're attractive. Therefore, because that just doesn't do anything for me. I don't. I don't want to have sex with somebody and then afterwards have nothing to say to them and feel that weird. Sounds terrible. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I know part of this is that I place too many caveats on sex. I have mm. to be attracted to them. Mm. I have, they to, have to trust be high them. Weight proportionate. They have to be high weight proportionate. They have to be interesting. You know, they have to be kind people. All these sort of things. And I'm like, wait a second. But that's good to have that. But you it's know? not because it means that I don't ever get beyond the beginning <laughs> stages because I'm waiting for perfection, you know? I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, how many people are you trying to sleep with? Like maybe you're just not <laughs> meant to sleep with some some people. They want to sleep with ten people a month. Yeah, and you want to sleep with ten people a month, but just that's not what the universe wants for you. Yeah, the universe wants you to sleep with no one. Well, the universe <laughs> is certainly getting its way. <laughs> I don't know. I've I kind of lost my libido recently, anyway. To be honest with you. I think you told me about that. Yeah, I mean, I've had low testosterone on and off for the longest time. Maybe it's just because you're getting old. Yeah, I mean, there's part of that, but I've had concussions in the past and I've had a lot of, I would even go so far as saying it's PTSD from like a lot of very emotionally traumatic relationships in the past. Like your ex-wife? Yeah, yeah, there was that. And then there was an ex-girlfriend as well that was unbearably like, Oh, They're clingy, right? Like the women that fall for you, they get really clingy. Is that? I think so. Think I, I think because I fit into that category of like well, you're such a good guy. Yeah, That's a, you're very, you're 
very catering to them. Like, even as a friend, like, you know. Right. When I first met you, I was super attracted to you. Like, even the magic tricks and just, like, you're just, like, a genuine guy, you know. Yeah. And that's rare to find around here. Right. You text back at, like, a proper ratio that you respond into that window. So girls think immediately that you like them. You know, and I do like them, right? So that's why I don't get. It's so weird. I don't understand how you don't have four girlfriends. Yeah, I don't know. You like giving massages, right? You're in great shape, right? I don't know what you're packing down there, it's but good. I bet it's good. It's healthy. It's a healthy pack. Yeah, I've only been told good things, but again, girls might lie. Well, I think that's you can see. Like I haven't seen a lot of other ones to compare. But you watch porn. Yeah, but that's porn cock. If I compare my cock to porn cock, obviously it's going to be, you know. Right. Yeah. I always used to say that I would want an extra, I, I'd give up an inch on my erect penis if I could have an extra inch on my flaccid penis. Because <laughs> I always felt like after you have sex and you're no longer hard, uh-huh. I'd always get embarrassed because it would be so much smaller. You know yeah. what I mean? It is weird. It's so weird. It's It's just not presentable right <laughs> especially when a girl's seeing this massive throbbing member that's just ravaged her for you know two and a half minutes and <laughs> and now it's this tiny little like a little weeble in a bean bag <laughs> it's just it's that's just, so funny i know it, and you i feel like in bed and stuff you seem to want to make love and not just like fuck. Right, absolutely, yeah. So I just don't get it. I really, I. Well, but I mean, how do I get to that stage? To have sex? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at you as a perfect example. That's mm-hmm. how I don't get to that stage. Yeah, I don't. I mean, even thinking about it, I don't know. Because the universe, well, and maybe me subconsciously conspires. Right. To make it not happen again, because perhaps I am afraid of hurting someone and getting hurt. Therefore, potentially I, I get weird and act strange. And I am also, you know, afraid of rejection. Who isn't? Right. right? And especially now when there's so much placed on any of these girls that I like. So the question is how to get beyond that. And really, it's just it's just getting back on the horse and going out. And that's now I've moved into a new apartment, mm-hmm. and my buddy's going to come out with me, and he's really good wingman. Who Tim? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna. We're, is he good looking? Yeah, he's a good looking oh, okay. fella. He, you know, he dresses up well. He, he, you know, he scrubs up nice, as we say in England. He's got mm. good karma. He does a lot of yoga. Wow, he's a real cool guy. And so we're, we're gonna go out and hopefully meet more people. And the point of the matter is, is I've just got to do it. You know, yeah. there's no point sitting back because unfortunately, and this is the truth. As much as women complain about how, or there is all these stereotypes and these expectations for them. They also exist for men. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a guy, and I've noticed this in the poly community, and anybody who's honest in the poly community would say the same thing. If there's a couple that enter the poly community themselves, the girl has no problems whatsoever. Because nine times out of ten, there is a line of guys and girls who are willing to hook up with her. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're a guy... You're struggling, you know, and I've talked to people who've just said when they opened up their relationship for them, it was like, wow, the moon and the stars and why isn't everybody living like this? And yet the guys were like, oh, God, this is this is worse than traditional dating, you know? Really? Yeah. I mean, that's the irony, isn't it? When you talk about polyamory and non-monogamy, everybody goes, oh, it's all for guys so they can fuck as many. And that's not at all. It's everybody I've met in the community. It's been way more of a positive thing for the girls. I mean, here's the thing. You, as a girl, have nine times more the sexual capacity 
than I do as a guy. The capacity for sexual pleasure, nine times more for you, just because the way you're designed. Really? Yeah. And yet, if you take the average heterosexual sexual experience, Mm -hmm. at best, at best, you may be having the same or maybe a couple more orgasms, if you will, than Mm -hmm. the guy, Mm -hmm. whereas you are capable of having way more. And this is where, and if you read Sex at Dawn, which is a fascinating book, it explains why really women are the ones who should be having sex with loads and loads of guys. That's the way we're designed. We were originally designed to have sex in like orgies where women would have sex with lots and lots of different guys. Because if you think about how we're designed to have sex, guys get off really easily Mm -hmm. and women, it takes a long time and they need to have sex for a long time. So if we're back in caveman times, how can that possibly work other than women getting fucked by lots of different guys? Guy fucks her, gets off. Guy fucks her, gets off. And eventually the girl will get off as well. And this is how it works. And this is how STDs have spread. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. That is an argument actually for monogamy and why it came into being because it does limit the... um... Well, if people would be more honest and just like be safer. I think unfortunately with like HPV, which so many women have and they don't tell men that they have it. Yeah. Because they're embarrassed. There's no testing for it anyway. And they don't wear a condom. And then, right. you know, the guy gets it and they have no idea. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's herpes as well that you, you may not have any symptoms for. All manner of different diseases for sure. Right. Here's a question. It's an interesting question I always pose people. You're in a room and there's two people. They look pretty much exactly the same. So two guys, good looking fellas. One of these guys you know is HIV positive mm-hmm. and the other guy you know nothing about whatsoever, okay? Okay. You can either have sex with a condom uh-huh. with the guy who's HIV positive uh-huh. or you can have sex without any protection with the guy you know nothing about whatsoever. You have to do one. It's a gun to your head. You have to do one. Who do you have sex with? I just have one quick question. If you have sex with someone with HIV with a condom, you're safe, right? Yes, well, I would do it with the guy, with the condom. There you go. Well, that is the right answer. But you asked the majority of people, certainly a few years ago when I was you know, asking everybody this question, and yeah. almost everybody said, I'd, I'd take my chance. Well, think about it. Think about how many people have sex without condoms now. And that's really their mentality. I don't know. I just assume that they tell me if they had anything. Fuck that. No one's going to tell you. Yeah. Well, right. That's the crazy thing. Well, I, I had a, a friend, a great guy actually called Rye, who is a um, polyamory consultant on here a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about how when he meets someone, the two things that he says very, very early on, first of all, is that he's polyamorous and he will be dating other people. He will be sleeping with other people while he's sleeping with them, if he gets to that stage. Mm-hmm. But he says that right away, he like says the first that date? Straight away, yeah, first date. And he says, because he owns it, and he says it confidently mm-hmm. that he says more times than not, the girls go, wow, I respect that, that you're being honest with me about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe maybe he just meets girls who are more open to that sort of a lifestyle. I don't know. But just the other thing that he says... You those girls. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you should go out with him. Oh, he said he'd take me out as well. So you're right, I've got to add him to the list of people I've got to go out with. And I'm going to go to um, strip clubs as well. <laughs> I think we're going to go strip clubs with Kat because, like, she, you know, knows strippers and uh-huh. she knows, you know, who's the good ones and who's... Oh, yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be such a struggle. But anyway, the other thing that he tells girls straight away, he says, I am HSV1 
positive. And HSV1 what is, it? is is oral Cold herpes. sores. Yeah, cold sores, right. Yeah. But to me, fuck, everybody's got that pretty much. Seven out of 11 people have that. Right. And only four out of 11 know they have it. Yes. So to me, I don't know whether that's a conversation that you really need to have because... Right. Because I'm one of those people who I don't know if I have it or not, but it's, I've never had them. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, I don't want to have to deal with that shit. It's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? How you sort of deal with all that sort of stuff. And, and I've met people who have been, you know, positive for genital herpes. And oh, they've sort of told me sucks. how horrific it is because every time... Because that doesn't time, go away, right? Well, it's, it's, it's like oral herpes. People have tested positive for genital herpes and never had an outbreak. So what happens what then? A freaky disease. What do you do then? Right. Do you tell someone? Yes, because can't you still give it away? Absolutely, you can. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've never had an outbreak, then then you would have to use a condom every something. Yeah. Right. You'd think so. Because yeah. can you only spread it when you have an outbreak? No, no. I I studied up on this. Believe it or not, I was in. Um, it's Simmons. hard to get the real because I tried looking up this stuff mm-hmm. on the herpes one. Done it for you. Done it for you. I've got the information yeah. for you. It. I do know you can't get it by sharing a glass. Yes, it's unlikely. It's unlikely. Yeah. yeah. But if you have sex with a condom... Is this one or two? This is two, genital two. herpes. Okay. If you have sex with a condom with mm-hmm. a person you know nothing about whatsoever, you've had no discussion with, right? Most Tinder people. Most Tinder people. I guess. I don't know. I've never had any luck on Tinder whatsoever. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> so if you have sex with a condom with someone you know nothing about other than their name, even that, you have a 0.02 chance of getting genital herpes, which is very small. Yeah. A very small chance you're going to get it. Even if you know they have it mm-hmm. and you wear a condom, it's still difficult to transmit. HIV, same thing, difficult to transmit. There's actually a pill now called PrEP that you can take to where you can stop yourself being able to get HIV, even if you're sleeping with somebody who has it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they've done studies actually. Couples, one of whom is positive and the other mm-hmm. one's negative, and the negative one just takes this pill daily. It's actually a very similar sort of pill to what you take if you had it, uh-huh. and it, it stops transmission in almost like every case that they've studied. What about what happens if I had herpes too and you went down on me and I didn't tell you because I've never had an outbreak? And then can you get that in your mouth? Not necessarily. Because there's no outbreak. No, oh. actually, there's very little coordination from what I've read mm-hmm. between whether there's an outbreak or not. Mm. You shed the virus at the same amount. Wow. Yeah, so that's one of the misnomers, the misunderstandings about herpes is that if you don't have an outbreak, then you're safe. But that's not the case. Yeah, it could be transmitted either way. I guess that's the benefit of not getting much sex in your life is, right. you, you know, you don't have to right. freak out too much. But And still, I go and get tested every six months. Yeah, For what? I don't know what. You know, I'm going to the um, LGBT clinic. Yeah, I go to Planned Parenthood. You do, yeah. LGBT apparently is the best place to go because they really? will test for absolutely everything, yeah. Which is interesting because, again, if I find out that I had genital herpes but I've never had an outbreak, do I feel like I should tell someone? I suppose, I, I suppose I'd have to, right? It's one of those things where it's like people are so selfish that they feel like, well, I, it's not my fault I got this. Like, I yes. still want to Someone have, lied to me, therefore, yeah, yeah. I can do it back. Right. It's just bad karma. I guess so, yeah. Well, let's hope I, I never have to deal with it. I don't know. I mean, I, that is part of my fear. That is part of the reason that I want to only have sex with girls that I trust mm-hmm. is I want to be able to trust that they 
be honest to me about honest. that. Yeah, but for don't sure. you use a condom? Yes, I always would use a condom. Even yeah. with my ex-girlfriend, you know, I always wore a condom. That's right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even think about that for sure, you know. Unless I was in a committed relationship and I trusted like with your them. your ex-wife, did you guys? Um, yeah, we always wore a condom. Yeah, because wow. I was really afraid of, like, getting a pregnant and, and mm-hmm. unwanted pregnancy and that sort of stuff. So Was she not on birth control? No, because oh, okay. it would make her go crazy. Mm. Uh. <laughs> but I've had one unwanted pregnancy in all the years and it was absolutely I can't even imagine with who just just one of my ex-girlfriends and it was it was kind of a fucked up situation really it was one of those situations where a lot of people would go uh, I don't know if she's being honest with you you know because there was a lot of reason for a, someone to say maybe I'm pregnant so that I'd want to stay with them you know but you don't know you just you could never know you can never tell and you don't want to mistrust someone who's in a difficult situation so you have to go with what they've said you add in distance and you add in the stress of coming out of a traumatic divorce on top of that you know did you get an abortion apparently yeah apparently yeah yeah wow it was the hardest conversation i've ever had to have you know with someone that you love dearly did she want it she didn't really know. That was that was the difficult conversation. It was like, did you? No, we weren't in a position to 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 raise a child. You right. know, like but if only that could happen to you now. Well, that's a funny thing, isn't it? You know, to to get onto the topic of, of being a parent, I just passed up an opportunity to have a kid with Rachel, one of my prospective oh, right. parenting partners, because I didn't feel I was in the right place. You know, I didn't feel like we had a game plan. Where are we going to live? How are we going to pay for the kid? Um, she was wish-washy. I don't think so, you know. She seemed wish-washy because her plans would change mm-hmm. constantly. But her plans were changing constantly because she was adapting to her situation. She had a lot of obligations. She has a daughter already. She already has a parenting partner. She has all these obligations to live her true, authentic self, which is to make the world a better place, to tell people about polyamory, to be her genuine, authentic, caring, loving self. And that may involve her going to Germany and giving her daughter a different experience than she would have here, you Mm -hmm. know. All these different things that she does with the best intentions in the world – it just wasn't my concept of how I wanted to raise kids, you know. And so that being the case, I was just too risk averse. And the irony, of course, is that she was waiting for me to say, you're the person I want to have kids with to figure out the details. Then we'd figure out uh, how are we going to pay for it? Where are we going to live? Right. Because, you know, in her mind, if you've made this commitment, and you're going to have a kid with somebody, then you just figure out all the details. And, and that, I guess in hindsight, kind of makes a bit of sense, right? right. But that's really the, the the feminine and the masculine. That's the differences. Is that the feminine is all about feelings and love, and once you have that, you can change the world. Whereas the masculine is more about the details, knowing where you're going to be, how you're going to provide for this child, mm-hmm. and from that basis, then the love can develop. So that was why I never got that. So really, when it comes down to it, you've got to think. Am I perhaps putting too many caveats on being a parent in the same way that I am in terms of having sex? And because of it, maybe I'm never going to have sex or have a baby. I would love for you to be a dad. Oh, I know. I would too. I really would. I I know I'd be a good dad. You're so young though. I feel like it's all going to happen for you. Everyone says that, but look, I'm... I'm 40 years old. You're 36. 
<laughs> Is that what I told you when I met you? No. What did I tell you? I, I think you were 34 when I met you. Yeah? No. That's crazy. Well, however old I was, did you think I was old? No. You didn't? No. Because I used to date a 40-year-old. Right. When you were how old? 20. Wow. 20 to 23. Yeah. God, what a yeah. lucky bastard. Oh, man. Wow. You were a bit of a handful then, right. were you? Yeah, I was a drunk mess. Right. I went from Caitlin to Haitlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's got to be difficult, but I, I don't know. Everybody else seems to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Like every girl at work has a boyfriend. Everybody I talk to goes on Tinder and has the odd hookup here and there. Yeah. My friends, they're all my age. They're all having kids. I'm the only one who's this sort of weird anomaly. And it has to be because of me and how I act. Yeah. So the question becomes then, do I have to act differently now? Do I have to try and act like everybody else? Do I have to say, you know what? I don't feel like I'm a monogamous person. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have an infinite amount of love to give and I don't want to cut off who I authentically am to have a kid with somebody because I don't think that's fair on them. Mm-hmm. So that being the case, then do I just accept that I'm never going to have a kid? I definitely want to change yourself to get what you think you want. Okay. I think you should just keep doing what you're doing. and. But if I do that, mm-hmm. nothing's going to change. But you the definition the future. of insanity uh-huh. is to repeat the same thing and expect a different outcome. If my life's told me anything, the way I act causes this to happen. <laughs> I was at university and I was in Kent State for a year, for mm-hmm. an entire year. I was like 21. In Ohio? Yeah. I was like, you were so close to me. It's so weird. Right. I used to go there and party on the weekends in high school. Yeah. Wow. Probably a few years after I left, I would think I was there in 96. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was like 12. You were like 12. (laughs) (laughs) But I was there for a year, an entire year at my virile, most like sexually able, you know, like I had erections upon erections you know like i get an erection now i've got to fucking post it on facebook i'm that excited about it right like back then i had i had more i had enough to give away i always remember i took organic chemistry but because in england we're more advanced than america uh, i had to take a master's level class in Mm -hmm. organic chemistry so everybody else in my class was like Russian or Indian. There was like no Americans there. There were like six people in the class and it was at like 5.30 in the morning. Oh. So I remember getting up, going to class, sitting there, being bored to tears, getting an erection, as you do at that age, whenever, and thinking, I should measure it and see <laughs> So through my pants, I got my like ruler out of my pencil tin and I measured it like that and I was like not bad at all and then I looked over and the Russian guy (laughs) sat next to me was looking at me and I didn't know what to say because I didn't speak Russian (laughs) so I just said vodka and uh, and he gave me a blowjob not true not true at all that would have been no really what would you do did you like look over him and give him a thumbs up or no I just went oh uh, (laughs) that was weird and awkward but I've got a healthy cock so I don't care and it works Oh. If only you had to use it. How uh, often do you masturbate? Now? Mm-hmm. Like hardly ever. 
like I said, is my libido is just shot completely, and I don't know why. Probably low testosterone. I got checked recently. I'm gonna go wait for the results. But also just because there's no one close to me that sort of is inspiring me to be sexual, mm-hmm. you know. So you add it all up, and it's just use it or lose it. And I'm just not losing it. Maybe twice a week at best. And when I do, it's completely perfunctory. It's like right. Got to clean the tubes, you know, get get this over with because otherwise I'm going to get prostate cancer. It's like that. And it's just such a disconnect because afterwards you're like, that was the most pathetic, ridiculous thing I've ever done. I'm never doing this again, you know, which, which happens your whole life. When you're a guy, this happens your whole life. There's nothing in the human experience that elicits a change in emotion as rapidly as the male orgasm like before before you come everything is arousing like absolutely everything you can be watching porn it can be the weirdest craziest stupidest porn but if there's an inch of flesh you know you're like oh wow fantastic but then the (laughs) second that you come everything has zero sexual appeal whatsoever and you just like you're stood there and you're like what the fuck was I just doing? That's ridiculous. Like, why was I even watching that, you know? And that's the difficulty about having sex with someone that you don't like. Right. With porn, you can just hit X, you know? Mm-hmm. X, Pandora, get on with the rest of your day. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when there's somebody there yeah. who potentially isn't sexually satisfied, <laughs> you're like, fuck. Right, I gotta, oh, gotta do this one, you know? <laughs> Pay me dues now. Uh, <laughs> a part of me just wants to be a guy, so that way I could like please women so well. You think and, so? Yeah. I like, don't it just think seems so. so. It seems so easy. Like you crazy? Have you had a threesome? Yes. And how was that? Really fun. But you think that you pleased the girl or not? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I will hear it. Sex is like pizza. It's always good. And sometimes you want to eat the whole box, and sometimes you just want, like, one slice. But, like, either way, it was still really good pizza, you know? So sometimes when you're having sex and, like, the guy comes, you're like, okay, like, I'm good with that. But other times, like, you want more pizza. Yeah. You know? But I don't think that's the same for all girls. I think some girls just don't like pizza. Oh, I used to be one of those girls. Right. I hated pizza. Right. Because I was never satisfied. It was just always like, oh, I just felt like a cum receptacle. Right. I felt like a pizza box. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is, it is a lot harder to, to sexually please a woman than it is to please Especially a guy. me. Yeah. Because it it's so sex. mental, yeah. you know? Right. And I have so many, like, body issues that, you know, if I don't get out of my fucking head, like, there's no way I'm going to come. 100%. You know what I mean? And this is why I had a conversation with a girl, actually, that I went on a date with who I really liked. She'd recently had a threesome. Mm-hmm. And she, <laughs> she told me, huh. it was so brilliant. She goes, I remember going down on the girl and thinking, I'm not doing something right here. (laughs) (laughs) And she said that all girls should have a threesome so they can understand what guys are presented with Uh every fucking time they have sex, Mm. you know. It's not easy. With a guy, it's kind of like riding a moped. You just sit on it, turn it on. it's so easy. And it'll work. Yeah. You know, nine times out of ten. And when it doesn't work, then it just doesn't work and you just can't even ride the bike. Sometimes you just have to park. Right, exactly. Just, you know, sit and wait for it to work again get some new spark plugs in it but with a girl 
it's different from girl to girl. Right. What works for one girl is the absolute worst for another girl. So right. you, this is why girls really should and arguably do want to have sex with guys who slept with lots of girls. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why yeah. they don't want to have sex with guys who haven't had much sex <laughs> recently. Well, that was part one. Gets even better in part two. Plenty more stuff on STDs and polyamory. Now that's next week. I think what it is is you're not good at flirting. I'm terrible. At I think that's what it is. Yeah, you're like, let's be friends, and I'll do your laundry instead of being like, come here, I'll, you know, I'll put my fingers up your pussy. <laughs> is that how you flirt? Fantastic, right? I'll see you then. Well, that is it. One week closer to six feet under. Thanks for listening and being part of the journey. Drop me a line if you think you or someone you know would be a good match for me as a parenting partner here in Los Angeles. Before you go, though, you know the deal. Please rate, write a review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Show some love. I'll be back next week, but if you want more before, then you can read my weekly blog at nigelwrestling.com forward slash blog, where you can also buy merchandise, book me, or just send me a nice message. Until then... Wherever you are, whoever you're with, hope you find kindness and love. Be happy.